Young TK, they call him Mr. Kent. Kent, Tom Kent. Double <laughs> O trouble for you, buddy. Now, my friend, you know, we've talked many times about how we love the millennials. Both of us have just jumped that little bit of age group right out of it, but we're, we're close, right? You're always a millennial. You never stop being a millennial. We make the point that we missed it by this much. Right. You know, you got to criticize your loved ones sometimes. And I'm going to criticize my millennial brothers because they did a study, some company called Ethocon. I don't know what that is, but they interviewed 3,000 millennials from across the country. And they found out that three in five millennials say life is more stressful now more than ever and that their lives are more stressful than the average person's lives. How would they know this? I guess they never stormed the beaches of Normandy, did they? And neither did we. Right, but that's some stress. Or they never hid under their desks in school during that nuclear bomb thing in the 60s, right? And they never hid under that farmhouse when Hitler's Nazis were coming around to, you know, kill your ass. (laughs) 41% said a damaged phone screen is worse than seeing their check engine light on in their car. Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, that's stressful, buddy. Come on. One in five say getting zero likes on social media is terrible. It's accumulation of all these little daily micro stresses that are seemingly trivial to you and me, Thomas. But for them, like stuck in traffic, waiting for appointments, or various smartphone issues. You know, this is the generation of instant gratification. Gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it now. When they say stressful more than ever, to be fair, maybe they're talking about when they were 12 years old. Correcto Monday. Maybe these people need a participation trophy, another one. Give them one of them. Mm, That was the problem right there. Can you imagine if we had a military draft now, Thomas? We wouldn't win any wars, would we? Yeah, there'd be bone spurs out the wazoo. <laughs> you know, they'd have big problems and, and, the, and bigger ones looming, but these ain't any of them. Now, here's what they get upset about. Here are the top 10 things that they complain about. Losing their wallet or credit card. Well, that's tough, but, um, you know, come on. Arguing with a partner. Traffic delays. Losing their phone. Slow Wi-Fi. Phone battery issues forgetting their password, and forgetting their phone. And God forbid your Wi-Fi isn't working. Oh, these people are snowflakes out there. Come on, millennials, buck it up, right? Buck it up. Buck up. Get those bootstraps, tie them real tight, get out in the workforce and do something. But don't complain. 41% has said a damaged phone screen is worse than seeing a check. Boy, if I see that check engine light, that freaks me out, pal. Let me tell you, we hate complainers. I'm just complaining that I hate complainers. That's all. We can't say they're all that way, but let's face it. We live in a world where technology has taken over. And when it's not exactly going our way, uh uh-oh, I'm guilty of a lot of these things myself. And you are too. Remember the other day when your computer wasn't working so good? Yeah. How did that make you feel? Well, I mean, because I'm not, I mean, whatever happened to my computer wasn't something I did. It was just a who knows what it was? It's those bugs in those things. They can't help it if things aren't going their way. That's called life. But I wish these millennials would go to uh, American History Channel that shows video of the wars and stuff and just watch those guys, 19 years old, storm the beaches in Normandy. They were 19 and 18 and 20. And boy, that's stress. Yes. That is the greatest generation. I'll never stop thinking that. Right? Let's storm those beaches. Let's turn up those speakers. Let's go to the daily podcast. Give them the address, Mikey. What's this world coming to? Dot com. Tom and Mike. 
Now, Thomas, I've never asked you this question, close friend of mine, personal. What kind of underwear do you wear? No man has ever asked me that question, ever. You really want to know? Well, can I tell you what American men are wearing? And okay, then you can tell yeah, me please tell think. me. The American man, 58% wear boxer briefs, 18% wear boxer shorts, 16% wear colorful briefs, 6% wear tidy whities and 2%, no, I don't know who these guys are, but I'm staying away from them, 2% wear thongs. Thongs? And I'm going to guess you... I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna take a stab at this. I'm gonna say you're a tidy whitey man. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No. Go ahead. What are you? Well, I'm a colorful brief. Color. Oh, sixteen percent. Yeah. Look at you. What does that mean? It means you're a little fruity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do buy fruit of the loom. So oh, man. there you go. I like when sometimes your underwear matches your outfit. It makes you feel like you. Have your life together, right? I feel sexy when I wear red. I don't know something. And then you wear like a red shirt with it. Only on Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. You know, my wife bought me a dozen underwear, all the same color, and I asked her, "Why the hell did you buy me the same color?" People will think I never changed my underwear. You know what she wanted to know? What people? Yeah, (laughs) right. She's a suspicious (laughs) wife. You know, underwear should be like passwords. Never leave them out where people can see them. Change regularly and never give them to strangers. Loan them out to strangers, right? Just like passwords. You've never done that. I have forget you? where I keep them. <laughs> it's just like passwords. And who wears tidy whities Oh, you mean girls' underwear, right? No, I never thought of them that way. Oh, I think they are. Really? Yep. I used to wear those when I was a kid growing up, but I soon drifted away. What do you think Superman wore under that cape? I think he was Captain Commando. <laughs> That's me, baby. That's me. That's me. Oh, I'm a commando boy. man. TMI. <laughs> WTMI is not my favorite radio station. <laughs> Tom and Mike. So, Thomas, do you know that recently, just recently, Girl Scouts are now in the Boy Scouts? They've crossed over. Well, you know, the Boy Scouts are going crazy now. I mean, first, for many years, it was just strictly men. Then they didn't even let gay guys in. There was a big fighter for that. Then they were allowing, you know, it's a good thing they did. Everybody's How do you eating. feel about this? About the Girl Scouts? Yeah, Girl Scouts being Boy Scouts. Oh. Unless you have some, you know, gender identifying issues, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you be proud to be a girl and proud to be a guy? Well, you know, when this happened, somebody famous had this quote, if girls can be Boy Scouts, I should be allowed to be a Girl Scout troop leader. Who said that? I don't know. Harvey Weinstein. No. Yes. Oh. So far, 80,000 girls have joined the Boy Scouts. That's cray-cray. Yeah. I think that we're getting a little bit too politically correct. I mean, I don't have any problem. I think gay people should be anywhere they want. But if it's Boy Scouts, it's Boy Scouts, right? Right. And it's Girl Scouts, it's Girl Scouts. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? I don't know. I I don't get it. Most Scouts know 47 different kinds of knots, right? You know, something tells me you're secretly becoming a Republican. (laughs) No. I don't like to see girls playing professional football. Do you like that? There's no such thing, is there? No, but I just saw a story the other day about a girl made the team on her boys' college football team, and it's not a field goal kicker. I think she plays cornerback or safety or something like that. Hmm. I just think that, you know, the sexes should be separated as far as sports. I have any problem with women in the military. I have no problem with women fighting on the front lines with men. But if it's the Boy Scouts, it's the Boy Scouts. Correct. Well, you weren't a Boy Scout, were you? I was a Cub Scout. 
Me too. It's like I shot with an arrow, and that was it for me. Yeah, I wasn't in the Cub Scouts very long. I don't know what it was. Something about, you know, sleeping out in the elements with other young men. It just didn't seem right to me. With Gay Scouts now in the organization, they've changed the merit badges. Do you know you can get a merit badge for doing a really good share impression? No. Yeah. Look, a scout must be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, thrifty, obedient, cheerful, kind, brave, clean, and reverent. Man, who can comply with all that? If women can do that, have at it, right? That's it. We accept you feminine women in the Boy Scouts, and we have no problem. Now, are Boy Scouts going to start selling Girl Scout cookies now? Could happen. I don't want to see that come to my door, do you? I'm not buying any. <laughs> Me neither. I'm not buying this whole that thing. That door's going to get slammed in his face. Go back to the Boy Scouts, kid. What are you doing? Crossing over. Was your son into the Boy Scouts? No. Cub Scouts? No. Oh, a social outcast. Yeah, totally. Just like the old man, as they say, the apple doesn't fall far from that tree over yonder. Tom and Mike. You've heard the term better than sliced bread? Yes. Do you know where that came from? I don't. A man named Otto Frederick Raweeder from Davenport, Iowa. He was the first man to have a bread slicing machine. This was in, what year do you think that was? 1868. 1928. Wow. Before that was invented, what did they say? Best thing since loaf bread? <laughs> I don't know. Right? You mean we've only had sliced bread for less than 100 years? Yep. Seriously. Yep. That's cray-cray. How about sliced bacon in 1924? Hello? That was even better than that. Why didn't they say that? Really? Or toasters. They've had toasters before that. They had toasters before they had sliced bread? Yeah. I thought the cavemen invented the knife. Come on. <laughs> the toasters are the best things than sliced bread. So what's your point here? Well, I'd say <laughs> we got to change that saying. We don't really have a point. <laughs> well, just think. Just think. Before 1928, there was no such thing as a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, the horror, Thomas. Oh, no, you've been thinking about bread too long because well, you don't have a lot of it, right? Well, yeah, I know. Bread, it rises in the yeast. Yeast. And it sets in the waste. How about that? Rises in the yeast and, and sets, sets in, in the, the waste. This is true. All those carbs. You're Mr. Anti-Carb, aren't you? Believe me, when Friday night and Saturday night come, you should see me eat the bread. It's like I'm sometimes in the house when I don't have the carbs and I just want to take a giant piece of bread and just stuff it in my mouth. So you're making up for not eating it during the week. Right. On the weekend. Right. Like I want you to spread it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is really doing you any good? You're depriving yeah. yourself all week. No. I and went then all of a sudden, you're like, you know, a hamster getting inside the bread machine. I'm 187, pal, down from 207. That's what it, we went out to an Italian restaurant Saturday night. And with my pasta, they brought bread, rolls of bread. You should have seen me stuff them babies in my mouth. Lots of butter? <laughs> no, we dipped them in garlic and Parmesan. Ah. Yeah, baby. We're true Italians, although I'm Polish and my wife's English. But uh, anyway. So what is better than sliced bread? That is a good question. I I think I actually have the answer to that. A wheel? No. Fire? No. A back scratcher? No. Air conditioning? Our daily podcast. Oh. What's this world coming to? Dot com. Tom and Mike. Now, Thomas, you are a dog lover. I know that. You have two little dogs and you've had them for many years. I forgot to ask you, before you had these two little dogs, did you have dogs before that? Uh-huh. And dogs before that? And okay, dogs so before that? Let's see if you know any Hard to believe about- I've had this many dogs, but they haven't lasted <laughs> that long. These, however, we've had longer than any of them. 
So dogs are man's best friend. And wouldn't you think the first evidence of that happened? How far back do you think it goes? The history of dogs with Mike Lacey. <laughs> I'd say 3,000 years. Wrong. Actually, they think it might be as early as 30,000 years ago, but... Well, the, I just missed a couple of zeros. Y- yes, you did. But the first evidence of dogs being buried besides humans, so they can actually pinpoint a time where the animals were loved by their owner, that was 14,000 years ago. Just 14,000 years ago? Well, give or take a couple hundred years, right? Okay. Carbon dating. Right. But are you one of those dog owners that just looks at your dog and pets it and just talks to it and stuff? Look at him in lovey-dovey and say, I wonder what, what they would say if they could talk. You, you know what they would something crazy? What? Not only do Karen and myself do that, but she answers in a specific dog voice like the dog is answering. Oh, brother, shoot me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the dog is actually thinking? What? What would it cost to get a place of my own? No. Yes. Not our doggies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they got it too good, buddy. Believe me. Listen to this. They say a dog's a man's best friend, but I don't even have enemies that would stare directly into my eyes while taking a dump on the rug, would they? You don't? No. Think about that. Even your enemies wouldn't do that to you, but your dog does, don't they? Not our dogs. They're well-trained. They stand at the door and cry. You weren't a good dog trainer, were you? No. (laughs) Do you know that getting a dog is the closest man gets to picking a relative? Did you know that? Why is that? Because you get to pick it and you love them. I mean, it becomes part of the family. Okay. Right? So dogs are sort of like uh, your pastime sitting at the traffic light. That's right. You pick it. It's no coincidence that man's best friend cannot talk. What about that? Why do you think? Well, because sometimes man He wouldn't like, be our best friend anymore. That's right. And if you notice that there's nothing in the world friendlier than a wet dog, why is that? Nothing friendlier than a wet dog. When they get wet, they want to jump on you. They want to shake right in front of that's you. That's right. Yeah. Especially when you've had the cleaning people come, they come in, they're soaking wet, and they shake. Oh, yes, they shake, and all that wonderful wetness goes everywhere. Let me tell you this, pal. I bet you've never thought of this. What's dog spelled backwards? God. That's right. Think about that for a couple minutes. There's a beautiful poem. I'm sure you've seen it about, you know, God's relationship to dogs. Right. I don't have it, but I should pull it up. You just keep going. I'm going to pull it up on the Google machine right now. Really? Yeah. Do you want to hear it? It's beautiful. Yeah. God and dog poem. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You got that pretty quick. When God had made the earth and sky, right, the flowers and the trees, he then made all the animals, the fish, the birds, and the bees. Ooh. And when at last he'd finished, no one was quite the same. He said, I'll walk this world of mine and give each one a name. And so he traveled far and wide And everywhere he went, a little creature followed him until its strength was spent. When all were named upon the earth and in the sky and the sea, the little creature said, Dear Lord, there's not one left for me. Kindly, the father said to him, I've left you to the end. I've turned my own name back to front and called you Dog, my friend. That's powerful, isn't it? Let's still wipe the tear away right now. <laughs> Tom and Mike. Do you believe in a biological clock? Yes. And do you know what it is? Usually when I hear a biological clock, it's in reference to a woman and her, you know, her window of opportunity for having a child. Right. But I'm sure it applies to lots of other things, yeah, right? It, it, You're going to enlighten my audience here, our audience, excuse me. 
Well, everybody has a biological clock, and it's actually, it's a master clock in the brain called the, I can never pronounce this, it's called the suprachiromatic nucleus, or better known as SCN. It contains 20,000 nerve cells located in an area of the brain, and it controls nearly everything about our, our body, influences, hunger, metabolism, fertility, mood, everything. Now, you're right. Women's fertility begins to decline in their late 20s and more sharply at 35, right? Right. So I don't know about you, but I feel less stressed since I set my biological clock back a half an hour a couple of weeks ago. Do you ever try that? No, I, I haven't done that. So you have the ability to change yours. Right. <laughs> How do you do that? You know, <laughs> you know, you're a lot more talented and smarter than I ever gave you credit for. My biological clock is telling me that it's time for a cocktail. Does yours ever tell you that? Just about five o'clock yeah. every day. Right. You know the great ball player pitched the Negro League, Satchel Page. You ever hear that name? Sure. Well, he wasn't an educated guy. Never finished high school. Never went to college. But he has a quote that's probably the most realistic and honest thing I've ever heard. He says about age. He said, "If you didn't know how old you are, how old would you think you are?" And that's so wonderful when you think about it, isn't it? Because love, like my mind, is always 17. Right. Like you're a little past millennial, but you act like, a you know, you could be a millennial because you, you act 30, 35. There was a great song by David Gates called Love is Always 17. I want to encourage you to Google it when we stop the broadcast and listen to it because okay. it's so profound in many ways. Think about that. Love is always 17. Okay. Uh, yeah, you don't care. No, I do, I do. But I was thinking about, you know, like women lose their ability to have kids at a certain age. Men have a manopause. You know about that, don't you? Yeah, I know all about that. That's when a time when a man has hair growing more out of his nose and his ears than he does on his head. That's true. Yep. And we all know how painful that can be. Yeah, sure is, buddy. So the biological clock is an actual thing. And uh, what time does your biological clock say it is for you right now? I think I'm 37. 37. That's right, baby. Does that make me a millennial? Barely. All right. Well, there I am. Okay. <laughs> I can still run for president. Tom and Mike.